The Ghost of Captain Brand, Part 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Carrie Hayes. Howard Pyle's Book of Pirates by Howard Pyle. Here at the table, a man was sitting with his back to our hero. Clad in a rough pea jacket and with a red handkerchief tied around his throat, his feet stretched out before him, and he smoking a pipe of tobacco with all the ease and comfort in the world. As Barnaby came in, he turned around, and to the profound astonishment of our hero, presented toward him in the light of the lantern, the dawn shining pretty strong through the skylight, the face of that very man who had conducted the mysterious expedition that night across Kingston Harbour to the Rio Cobra River. This man looked steadily at Barnaby True for a moment or two, and then burst out laughing. And indeed, Barnaby, standing there with the bandage about his head, must have looked a very droll picture of that astonishment he felt so profoundly at finding who was this pirate into whose hands he had fallen. "'Well,' says the other, "'and so you be up at last.' and no great harm done, I'll be bound. And how does your head feel by now, my young master? To this Barnaby made no reply, but what with the wonder and dizziness of his head, seated himself at the table over against the speaker, who pushed a bottle of rum toward him, together with a glass from the swinging shelf above. He watched Barnaby fill his glass, and so soon as he had done so, began immediately by saying, I do suppose you think you were treated mightily ill to be so handled last night? Well, so you were treated ill enough. Though who hit you that crack upon the head, I know no more than a child unborn. Well, I am sorry for the way you were handled. But there is this much to say, and of that you may believe me, that nothing was meant to you but kindness. And before you are through with us all, you will believe that well enough. Here he helped himself to a taste of grog, and sucking in his lips, went on again with what he had to say. "'Do you remember,' he said, "'that expedition of ours in Kingston Harbour, "'and how we were all of us balked that night?' "'Why, yes,' said Barnaby True, "'nor am I likely to forget it. "'And do you remember what I said to that villain, "'Jack Malo, that night as his boat went by us?' "'As to that,' said Barnaby True, "'I do not know that I can say yes or no.' "'but if you will tell me, I will maybe answer you in kind.' "'Why, I mean this,' said the other. "'I said that the villain had got the better of us once again, "'but that next time it would be our turn, "'even if William Brand himself had to come back from hell "'to put the business through.' "'I remember something of the sort,' said Barnaby, "'now that you speak of it. "'But still, I am all in the dark as to what you are driving at.' The other looked at him very cunningly for a little while, his head on one side and his eyes half shut. Then, as if satisfied, he suddenly burst out laughing. <laughs> Look hither, he said, and I'll show you something. And therewith, moving to one side, disclosed a couple of traveling cases, or small trunks with brass studs, so exactly like those that Sir John Malo had fetched aboard at Jamaica, that Barnaby, putting this and that together, knew that they must be the same. 
Our hero had a strong enough suspicion as to what those two cases contained, and his suspicions had become a certainty when he saw Sir John Malo struck all white at being threatened about them, and his face lowering so malevolently as to look murder had he dared do it. But, Lord, what were suspicions, or even certainty, to what Barnaby True's two eyes beheld when that man lifted the lids of the two cases, the locks thereof having already been forced, and flinging back first one lid and then the other, displayed to Barnaby's astonished sight a great treasure of gold and silver, most of it tied up in leathern bags, to be sure, but many of the coins, big and little, yellow and white, lying loose, scattered about like so many beans, brimming the cases to the very top. Barnaby sat dumbstruck at what he beheld. As to whether he breathed or no, I cannot tell. But this I know, that he sat staring at that marvellous treasure like a man in a trance, until, after a few seconds of this golden display, the other banged down the lids again and burst out laughing, whereupon he came back to himself with a jump. Well, and what do you think of that? said the other. Is it not enough for a man to turn pirate for? But, he continued, it is not for the sake of showing you this that I have been waiting for you here so long a while, but to tell you that you are not the only passenger aboard, but that there is another, who I am to confide to your care and attention, according to the orders I have received. So, if you are ready, Master Barnaby, I'll fetch her in, directly. He waited for a moment, as though for Barnaby to speak, but our hero not replying, he arose, and putting away the bottle of rum and the glasses, crossed the saloon to a door like that from which Barnaby had come a little while before. This he opened, and after a moment's delay and a few words spoken to someone within, ushered thence a young lady, who came out very slowly into the saloon where Barnaby still sat at the table. It was Miss Marjorie Malio, very white, and looking as though stunned or bewildered by all that had befallen her. Barnaby True could never tell whether the amazing, strange voyage that followed was of long or short duration, whether it occupied three days or ten days. For conceive, if you choose, two people of flesh and blood moving and living continually in all the circumstances and surroundings as of a nightmare dream, yet they two so happy together that all the universe beside was of no moment to them. How was any one to tell whether in such circumstances any time appeared to be long or short? Does a dream appear to be long or short? The vessel in which they sailed was a brigantine of good size and build, but manned by a considerable crew, the most strange and outlandish in their appearance that Barnaby had ever beheld. Some white, some yellow, some black, and all tricked out with gay colors and gold earrings in their ears, and some with great long mustachios and others with handkerchiefs tied around their heads, and all talking a language together of which Barnaby True could not understand a single word, but which might have been Portuguese from one or two phrases he caught. Nor did this strange, mysterious crew of God knows what sort of men seem to pay any attention whatever to Barnaby or to the young lady. 
they might now and then have looked at him and her out of the corners of their yellow eyes but that was all otherwise they were indeed like the creatures of a nightmare dream only he who was the captain of this outlandish crew would maybe speak to barnaby a few words as to the weather or what not when he would come down into the saloon to mix a glass of grog or to light a pipe of tobacco and then to go on deck again about his business otherwise our hero and the young lady were left to themselves to do as they pleased with no one to interfere with them end of the ghost of captain brand part three